0: to I think very deep. You're locked into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. The 2019 HBCU football season got underway on Thursday, five football games, and we're going to talk uh, a little bit. If we have some time today, we got a jam packed show here on Box to Row. Um, we'll talk a little bit. Uh, about some of those games and perhaps preview the upcoming games this weekend. Uh, we got some pretty good matchups, as a matter of fact, so it just depends on time because we got a packed show for you today. Joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Deshaun Waller, who is my top player to watch in all of HBCU football, the running back for Allcorn State, going to join us on the program. Also joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Robert Brazil. Going to join us on the program, played 10 years in the National Football League, all with the Houston Oilers, and was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame last year, played at Jackson State. And speaking of such, and I know a lot of you have tuned into the program today to listen specifically for uh, I had a chance. Let me just give a little bit of background. So I was asked about a couple of months ago by USA Today, the sports department, to put together uh, my list of who I thought the top one, uh, the top 100 pro football players who played at HBCUs are. Uh, my top 100. Of the of pro football players, more specifically, the National Football League, obviously going to have some AFL players um, and uh, put together a list of who I think my top players are. And I'm going to discuss that list. I'm going to discuss the list. It's been a hot button topic uh, all week, especially in the world of HBCUs and uh, and and understandably so. So I'm going to discuss. Um, how I went about that process Um, I'm going to discuss I'm going to read the list. I may not read the entire list because there are a hundred players and we have so, but so much time on the program, but I'm going to discuss how I came about with those 100 players. I will say this two players and I got to apologize to these two players were not on the list, should have been on the list and we're not on the list. Willie Richardson and Vincent Brown should have been on the list. They were not on the list. My apologies to them. I'm going to see if there's something that we can do. We can't. What we can't do is make it a hundred. Well, what we can't do is take out players to put players in. Um, but what we can do is maybe add those players. But um, those are definitely two players that should have been included on the list. So that's, what is going to happen today here on from the press box to press row? You're certainly welcomed to chime in on the program. Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B O X T O R O W. While you're there, follow us also on Facebook B O X the number two R O W. Thank you to our wonderful, wonderful affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row for instance. WVCD out of the Bamberg, Denmark, Orangeburg, South Carolina area. Those listening to us on another great affiliate, WNAA in Greensboro. So many great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Those listening to us on Sirius XM channel 142. And those listening to us around the world at botch 2 com. So as I mentioned a couple of months ago, USA Today asked me to put together a list of what I thought were the top 100, not, or really pro football players that uh, that went to HBCUs, and this is how I came about ranking these player and players and the criteria in which. I did as much if you were a pro football Hall of Famer, then I mean, obviously, and you went to an HBCU, then obviously you were going to be on the list. Also looked at, you know, I gave great credence because I think the list really speaks to a lot of players that maybe a lot of people haven't heard about. But if you were an all pro, um, if you were a pro bowler during your area, then I definitely um, that definitely played a lot in. Into it, If you were part of your team's uh, Hall of Fame, meaning the respective NFL or pro football team's Hall of Fame, that played a little bit of a part into it. Um, Also, the eye test for me, you'll see if you've had a chance to look at the list. And if you haven't had a chance to look at the list, you can go on to usatoday.com or you can Google it, usatoday.com, HBCU 100 or NFL 100 with HBCUs, and you'll find it. So um, also, like I said, the eye test, you'll see a lot of the guys that are on the list are guys that um, I I have seen play in my lifetime. I'm in my mid 40s. So I haven't obviously a lot of the guys on the list. I haven't seen play. You know, I grew I, I grew up. Um, r- 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 like with a lot of football cards, football cards, I mean, were a big thing when I were growing, when I was growing up. So a lot of those, I would always really study those football cards, look at what the players did. I was a, I was a you know, I, I, I've, I've soured uh, on the national football league over the last, uh, you know, years or so because of the fact that at one time we were credentialed to cover the Super Bowl, uh, for whatever reason they decided that we were not worthy anymore uh, to cover the Super Bowl, um, especially the year where they honored the Pro Football Hall of Famers. I think that was an absolute disgrace that you know our organization was not there. That was that's that though. I'm just telling you that. But at one, I mean I, I still follow the league closely, but you know I, I followed it really really closely at one time. And again, I would look at these players. And see what schools they went to, and that's sort of how I, um, I guess HBCU has really always be has always really been in me. So I knew a lot of, you know, a lot of players um, that uh, that I either saw play or remember playing. I mean, you'll see a lot of players that we've had on this program, uh, very recently on this list. So what I'm gonna do now, I'm gonna uh give you the list, uh, maybe of the top 50. Let's see sort of how we go here with time, and then I'll explain um uh where and why i ranked certain people where i did um and i'll also take uh, some of your questions via twitter or facebook as well i went with jerry rice as the number one player um i mean to me it was you know a one and one a between he and uh walter payton jerry rice with three super bowls um a super bowl uh, a super bowl mvp um, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, that really speaks volumes and no question about it. Walter Payton, as as his career uh, ended, was the all-time leading rusher in the history of the National Football League. That was pretty big. But, I mean, to me, it was 1-1-A. One, one, I decided to go with uh, with Jerry Rice at number one. Again, Walter Payton at number two. Deacon Jones at number three. What a phenomenal player. I mean, just a, just, you know. Again, I didn't have a chance to see him play, but I did a lot of research in terms of um, what he did. Didn't necessarily look at stats, per se, because even a guy like a Deacon Jones, sacks didn't become an official stat until 1982. But Deacon Jones, you know, really known uh, all over over football as one of the greatest players to ever play. I went with Willie Lanier, uh, formerly of Morgan State, at number four. And then I went with Buck Buchanan at number five, played at Gramley. Number six, Mel Blunt, all the Super Bowls uh, with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. He played at Southern. Marion Motley, um, yeah, he he, he played at South Carolina State, ultimately transferred to Nevada, uh, but he played at South Carolina State. Great, great fullback um, when he played. I don't think a lot of people really know how great a player he was. Number eight, Willie Davis. Um, who Green Bay Packers, great player went to grambling number nine. I had Willie Brown, uh, played at grambling. Great, great cornerback, uh, when he played and then rounding out the top 10, I had Ken Houston, uh, if, if not the greatest safety, maybe one of the greatest safeties to ever play. He of course played at Prairie View A&M 11 through 12 or 11 through 20 art shell, Lim Barney, Roosevelt Brown. Larry Little, uh, Leroy Kelly, Richard Dent, Jackie Slater, Emmett Thomas, who played at Bishop. Uh, Bishop's not around anymore. Bishop College was a great player when he played with the Chiefs. Uh, Number 19, Harry Carson. And number 20, Robert Brazil, who's going to join us a little bit later on on the program. And number 21, I had Lynn Ford. I played at Morgan State, then ultimately transferred to Michigan. Rayfield Wright. Offensive lineman at number 22, uh, Fort Valley State at number 23, had Michael Strahan, played at, of course, at at Texas Southern's big-time personality now on TV. Number 24, Shannon Sharp, another big-time personality now, played at Savannah State, big-time tight end. Number 25, John Stallworth, wide receiver, again, Super Bowls with uh, the Steelers. He played at Alabama A&M. Number 26, Aeneas Williams. Number 27, Bob Hayes. 28, Claude Humphrey played at Tennessee State. Elvin Bethea at number 29 played at A&T. Um, 30, I had Donnie Shell, and 31, I had Charlie Joiner. Um, you know, Donnie Shell was is a guy that should be. Donnie Shell should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Great, like. Great defensive back. I think it's a, a situation where an L.C. Greenwood should, too, who's on this list. Um, uh, but, you know, again, so many great players from those Pitt, Pittsburgh teams of the 70s, particularly on defense. I think it's a political thing, but Donnie Shell should definitely be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like I mentioned, Charlie Joyner at 31, L.C. Greenwood at 32, Lamar Parrish, 33, Ed Tuttle-Jones, of course, played at Tennessee State. At number 34, I had Ben Coates, tight end, played at Livingstone. Before there was Gronk, there was Ben Coates. At number 35, Ken Riley, excellent defensive back, played at Florida A&M, played with Cincinnati all those years. At number 36, Everson Walls, again, number 37, potential Hall of Famer. Raymond Chester played at Morgan State. I had him at number 38, tight end, another potential Hall of Famer. I had Steve McNair of Alcorn State at number 39, And I had Otis Taylor, who played for the Chiefs, um, went to Prairie View A&M wide receiver at number 40. I'm going to table it right there. If you want to see the entire list, you can log on again to usatoday.com or really Google USA Today. Um, You also also in the Google uh, NFL and HBCU 100. And you'll see that list come up on the other side of this break I'm going to talk with you about how I got to this list and why as From the Press Box to Press Row rolls on hey what's going on this is Melanie Fiera, and I know you are tuned in to check out the latest and greatest in sports
2: cause you think it's easier
0: easy like that and you're checking me out right here on From the Press Box to Press Row the moment
2: you left me you up
0: Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Join us on the conversation. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. While you're there, follow us. Also on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Still to come here on the program, Alcorn State running back Deshaun Waller. I have him as my top player to watch in HBCU football. Also, still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Pro Football Hall of Famer Robert Brazil going to join us on the program. So let's get back to the uh, my rankings in USA Today of the top 100 pro football players that played um, at HBCU schools and um so I want to start here because I think a lot of a lot of the feedback that I received was uh from those that um really had a problem were wondering or really had a problem with the fact that I had uh, Steve McNair at number 39. All right, so why did I have Steve McNair at number 39? So let me this is how I looked at it. So when I did the rankings again, as I mentioned, if you were a pro football Hall of Famer, then um, to me, you were all automatically at the top. I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't any dispute about that. If you were a pro football Hall of Famer, that means you were the best of the best. No questions asked. And so um, it was a matter of ranking really those first um Really, those first thirty players really it was twenty nine. So there's twenty nine uh, Pro Football Hall of Famers that attended HBCUs. Um, I actually had Donnie Shell. He was the only one. I actually had Donnie Shell uh, in the in the top. I had him actually uh, one slot above Charlie Joyner. Charlie Joyner was a great player when he played, most notably for the San Diego Chargers during those years with Dan Fouts and and Air Coryell and all of that. Um, but I actually had Donnie Shell. I think Donnie Shell should be in the hall. He should have been in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, you know, obviously, if I have Shell at 30, uh, because again, there's 20. There, they're actually, excuse me, 30. So there are 30. There are 30 um, Pro Football Hall of Famers who played at HBCU. So I had Donnie Shell at 30. Then I had Charlie Jorner at 31. I had Elsie Greenwood at 32. Um, again, much like Donnie Shell. Um, I think that um, L.C. Greenwood, who played at Arkansas Pine Bluff, should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. At number 33, I had Lamar Parrish, and and I'm talking right now about all of those that I had above Steve McNair, because a lot of the questions that I got, um, people were not happy with the fact that Steve McNair, was number 39. So I am going to tell you why I listed it that way. I'm telling you why I listed it that way. I had Lamar Parrish at number 33, um, played his college uh, football at Lincoln of Missouri, um, played with the Bengals, Redskins, Bills, had hundred, had 47 interceptions in his career. And, and again, I try... I don't... When, you, when you're in, in professional sports to me, and I've said this many times on my show, I try not to use um stats as a as a measuring tool um but again uh didn't really see lamar Parrish play i mean i was alive during the time that he played but you know in in and again um just in a lot of the research that i did my thought was why is he not in the pro football hall of fame why is lamar Parrish not in the pro football hall of fame so i had him at number 33 ed Tuttle jones of Tennessee State, uh, played with the Cowboys, a phenomenal player, um, you know, a, a guy that I think probably should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, I had him at number 34. Ben Coach played his college football at Livingstone, a dominant tight end during his playing days, dominant tight end during his playing days um, with the uh, New England Patriots. And then ultimately won a Super Bowl as a member of the Baltimore Ravens. I think Ben Coates should be given great consideration as a Hall of Famer. Great consideration as a Hall of Famer. Before there was Rob Gronkowski, there was Ben Coates. Uh, Number 36, Ken Riley played his college football at Florida A&M, defensive back um, for the Bengals. Played 15 years. In the National Football League, 15 years in the National Football League, had 65 interceptions in his career. Why is Ken Riley not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? So again, I had Ken Riley at number 36, Everson Walls at number 37. Um, great cornerback uh, with the Cowboys. Most notably, he did play with the Giants and the Browns towards the latter part of his career, but you know his notoriety was with the Cowboys. Another guy that I think. Um, should be given more Pro Football Hall of Fame consideration, played, of course, his college football at Grambling. I had Raymond Chester at number 38, tight end for the Oakland Raiders. You know, he is a borderline Pro Football Hall of Famer. Borderline Pro Football Hall of Famer, tight end uh, Raymond Chester, played with the Raiders and then also with the Colts played 12 seasons in the National Football League, again, played his college football, football at Morgan State. You know, I think a, a, a borderline Hall of Famer. And again, a lot of times it depends upon the era. For the era, I think that Raymond Chester was in, he should be a pro football Hall of Famer. Maybe now, maybe now not as much, um, you know, back in the day or even back then, Tight ends were more complete players. They were blockers also. I mean, I I think that needs to be noted. Now it's more of a situation where uh, tight ends are pass catchers, a la Rob Gronkowski, a la Tony Gonzalez, who was recently, matter of fact, this year, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a first ballot guy. Now, got Steve McNair at number 39. I I don't believe, um, and I think, what happens is I think Steve McNair is probably the greatest uh, quarterback that came from an HBCU that played in the National Football League. He was an NFL MVP. Uh, he was uh, his team, the Titans, maybe he was two yards away from winning um, a Super Bowl uh, back in the it was it. I think it was 1999, uh, two yards away um, from winning that Super Bowl. Uh, He was a great player at Alcorn State, phenomenal player. Remember, the year he came out, he finished, like, what, fourth in the Heisman voting. Uh, Maybe the greatest, you know, you could make an argument as 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 certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play college football. I think what's got to be remembered here is there was no consideration in this list. There was no consideration given for what you did at the college. Zero. I gave no consideration for that. I was asked to put together a list um, that included that uh, of the guys that played in the National Football League that went to HBCUs. Otherwise, I mean, there's all kind of guys that um, were were phenomenal uh, HBC or were phenomenal HBCU players, but didn't necessarily make this list. Uh, so it, there was no consideration given there. But I guess he was such and he's such an iconic player. Um, really in the HB, uh, outside of the HBCU world, but certainly us as HBCU folk, if you're an HBCU person, I mean, Steve McNair is that guy. He's that guy. Uh, in the running for the Heisman Trophy, NFL MVP, um, uh, 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 just a couple of yards away from winning a Super Bowl. To me, and having grown up uh being an adult, watching Steve McNair play. So I'm not talking about he played back in the day. I've seen Steve McNair play. Steve McNair was a, was no doubt a good quarterback. No question about it. Is he a hall of fame quarterback? Is he a pro football hall of fame quarterback? I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure that he is. Um, I, I certainly don't believe he's a first ballot uh, pro football hall of famer. But he had a really, really, really good career. And with that being said, the way that I did these rankings, it was no way that he was going to be put within the first 31 or, or at least 30 because of the fact that those guys are pro football Hall of Famers. And in my mind, and in the way that I did the rankings, no one. With the exception, the one exception of Donny Shell, because I think he should he should be in the pro should have been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, more, even more so than the guys that I mentioned. He's the only one, so I'm not going to put a a, a a player that's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, above a pro uh, fo, a pro football Hall of Famer. So that's one of the reasons. Um, and then like I said, I mean, I think that uh, he was a good quarterback, uh, really good quarterback. Was he a pro football Hall of Famer quarterback? Not sure. Will he eventually get into the pro football Hall of Fame? Not sure. You know, to this point, he has not. I'm not even sure that his name has come up on the ballot. And again, such an icon amongst HBCUs, what is Steve McNair? And I think uh, to me, that's a lot of the outcry. There was some outcry about this and I'm, you know, hey, I'm, I'm OK with that. This is a good topic of conversation. Uh, I'm OK with that. I'm happy to have uh, that conversation and I'm happy to uh, engage you in that conversation as well. And because I wanted to address that, because that's the biggest question that I got is why was Steve McNair so low? Agree, disagree, um, more confused than even when you saw it. That's fine. Hit me up via Twitter, BoxToro, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Some other guys on the list. Tank Younger was the first uh, black college player to play in the National Football League out of Grambling, played with the Rams, uh, had him at number 42 on the list. Willie Gallimore, boy, I tell you what, Willie Gallimore, uh, tragically, his life tragically came to an end. He um, died in an automobile uh, accident. In the prime of his career, played with the Chicago Bears before there was Willie Gallimore. Uh, before there was Gail Sayers, there was Willie Gallimore. Um, you know, I got Doug Williams at number 44, Harold Carmichael 45, Harold Jackson, uh, former football coach, Jackson State played at Jackson State 46, Johnny Sample played at Maryland State, made sure, and that's why you have to go do the research. UMEs played uh, played football at one time. Number 47, Emerson Boozer, another Maryland State guy, part of that um, that first Super Bowl championship. Um, Joe Namath in the Jets, 48-49, Robert Mathis. I, you know, maybe by the time it's all said and done, Robert Mathis may be a pro football Hall of Famer, possibly. Guy was a was was probably more underrated because he played uh, with Dwight Freeney on the other side, and then Eric Williams, offensive tackle out of Central State. Also on this list was Tariq Cohen, uh, and also Teron Armstead, the left tackle for the Saints as guys that are going to be great. Much like what the NBA did with his 50 greatest players. They added Shaq at the time, did the same thing with Armstead and Cohen. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Robert Brazil. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. On the line, we're joined by a Pro Football Hall of Famer, played 10 years in the National Football League, all with the Houston Oilers, made seven Pro Bowls, was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, on last year. He's Robert Brazil, joins us here. on from the press box to press row. Robert, welcome back to the program.
2: Glad to be back, man. Uh, It's such an honor. You know, it's life changing when you get that gold jacket. And I'm still happy that people want to hear my voice.
0: Yeah, no, we we, we want to hear from you. I I, I want to start here because, uh, w- w- yeah. So talk to me. What what was last year in August like for you? Getting that gold jacket and being able to make that speech and being able to be amongst the best players to ever play pro football.
2: There's a couple of things happening. Um, first of all, it's a life changing. Award. I mean, once you become a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer for the rest of your life. And the other thing is that football was saying to Robert Brazil, you know, um, me and Walter had a thing, and most of the guys at Jackson, we left it on the field. We're gonna, Don't let it be said that we need to do something else after the game or for the next game. We left it all on the field. And football is saying to us now, we appreciate what y'all did, we love you, and you're in a well-deserving spot by being selected to the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, no no question. I, I, you know, once you get in, you're in. But I, I still got to ask you this, because I know when we talk with you, I think it was back in 2015 or 2016, my question for you, one of my first questions for you was, why isn't Robert Brazil in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? You look at the numbers, but not all, just the numbers, the career that you had do, does it – I mean, you're in, but does – does is there any thought or does it bother you the fact that uh, you you weren't in sooner?
2: No, I don't. I mean, you know, you could uh, – after weighing everything, and and I'm going to say this, and I've been saying this all of my life, is that this is such a uh, significant group of guys can only go into the Hall of Fame each year. And it's so many – great athlete. You talking about everybody that plays in the NFL is a professional athlete. They are the best of what they do. And but after you play for so long and you you know you have a good career as some people call it, you know, for ultimate years and years, you got people doing that every year because this is what they get paid for. Yeah. We get paid to perform at our best. And, you know, to say this one to go, need to go in before that one and that one need to go in before this one, it's a very, very hard situation. Uh, uh, you just can't say, I can pick this one. It's a committee. And that, that committee got the hardest job in the whole world is trying to select a group and a class each year to go into the Hall of Fame. Because you know it and I know it, there's always someone else. That's deserving to be in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I totally I totally agree with you. When did you know you played ten years, played at a very high level, average in uh, in excess of 120 tackles a year? When did you know it was time uh, to to hang it up in 1984, your last season?
2: Well, it uh, it was almost the decision was made if you heard my Hall of Fame speech. You know, I had played ten years with the Houston Oilers. No one else but the Houston Oilers. I had started every game for ten years. Never missed a start. Now the Houston Oilers had the opportunity to be and was invited to play in the in the in the Hall of Fame game. Now in the Hall of Fame game that year, it was another uh, guy that I admired and. I was just like, he wanted to be like me, but I wanted to be like him. Also, after I saw the kid play, a guy named by the name of Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was playing with the New York uh, Giants at that time, and I was with the All in my 11th year. And we both was going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game that year. Now, this is the time that, you know, you done played about 10 years, and you're thinking, man, if I get this 11-year in. Maybe when it's time for my class, or maybe when it's time for me to go to the Hall of Fame, this is the time for me to show up. Two hours before the game, I get a knock on the door from the Houston Oilers. My head coach, from my assistant coach, has sent for me to tell me that I was not going to start that game. That destroyed Robert Brazil. That destroyed it. made me angry. and From that time, I retired from football. It made me walk away from the game that I really loved so much. But I left at the top of my game, I thought, and I still had an opportunity to get to the um, Hall of Fame. Wow. That's what happened. I walked away from it.
0: Wow. Wow. That the voice of pro football Hall of Famer Robert Brazil played 10 years in the National Football League, all with the Houston Oilers, joins us here on from the press box to press row. What did it mean? What was it like winning that rookie of the year, the NFL rookie of the year in 1975? Uh, your your first season in the National Football League coming out of Jackson State, playing at such a high level in the league as one of the, that year, one of the premier linebackers in the game.
2: Well, you know, um have Walter, When I say this, I, I owe a lot of thanks to Walter Payton for bringing the scouts to uh, to Jackson State. And we had a great program, and we had something to prove, not only at Jackson State. If you ask the same questions from guys from Grambling, Texas Southern, Southern University, uh, Prairie View, all these guys, we had something to prove that we were playing at such a high-level football in the swag that we could compete with anybody. And when we got the opportunity, it was like, going to do what we do best was to play football. And that's all I was doing. I was having so much fun in my rookie year. I was validating why I was a number one draft pick for the Houston Oilers. I didn't know I was going to make rookie of the year, but it turned out to be I did make defensive rookie of the year, just, just playing my normal game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows, you know, how much, particularly at that time, how much talent uh, were at the HBCU. Sort of speaking of that, Um, As you mentioned, played at Jackson State. You were the number six overall pick in the 1975 NFL Draft. But talk about those days at Jackson State. Some of those great players, of course, playing um, in practice against Walter Payton and and all of that at Jackson State.
2: Well, I mean, every day was like first blood for me. If anybody knows, that probably was first blood. Danny Gramler with Eddie Robinson and his guys, first blood uh, Coach Markham first blood up at Tennessee State first blood anywhere that at that time it was so much raw talent. You know, people don't know what happened when you had people like Bud Adams, the owner of the Houston Oilers, and Tom Williams. this got Lamar Don from the Pittsburgh Steelers. All these guys to go in to research and to find all that good talent. There was so much talent over there that. You know, I remember Bob Hill saying one time we would play Mississippi State in the first quarter, Ole Miss in the second quarter, and either one of them, they could put both of them teams together. We pull both a pair both in the third and fourth, and we still come out victorious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robert Brazil, uh, of course, Pro Football Hall of Famer joins us in the program. I mean, that's absolutely awesome. So how special, you've been now to the Pro Football uh, Hall of Fame last year, obviously being inducted. How special is it for you to be going back this weekend uh, as part of the festivities of the Black College Hall of Fame game between Alabama A&M and Morehouse?
2: Well, it's it's such an honor. It's such such a special day for me. You know, once I got into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, one of the first things there of the mission of the Pro Football Hall of Fame is to honor the heroes of the game that mission statement says that to preserve its history man for them to do this for the black college and the HBCUs around the world they are doing what they say their mission statement is going to do is to honor the heroes of the game and to preserve the history uh, the pro football hall of fame.
0: Awesome. Uh, lastly, uh, you were known as Dr. Doom <laughs> during your time in, in, in playing. Um, you know, I, I did, were, did you like that? Did you sort of like that name? And, and, uh, and, and sort of, uh, I, I don't know how much it, uh, how much it tamed if you were after your playing days.
2: Well, it kind of stuck on me or uh, I got the name, uh, out of breakfast one morning, up in Chicago, playing in the college All Star game. They don't have that game no more. But years ago, they used to have all the best seniors play the pro football Super Bowl champion, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers. We was eating breakfast one day. Richard Wood, which was a linebacker from Tampa Bay, and SC was sitting there, and I walked over and had breakfast with him. He said, "You know, you need a nickname." I said, I do. He said, I like being Robert in Brazil. Minutes. He said, no, nah, we got to get your nickname. He had a nickname. The other two linebackers had a nickname, Crazy Man and Batman and Batman. So he said, I found your nickname. He was looking in the Chicago Tributes in the cartoon section, and in that section is a character named Dr. Doom. Now, how he picked this out, and the killer part was going to come, but Howard Cosell, sitting down at the other end of the table, looked at Richard and said, You know what, Richard? That name do fist that guy. And Richard said, Why do you mean it He said, Take that Doom part. D O O M. Break it down. Death on offensive of men. And that's exactly what he'll do to you if you line up in front of him. <laughs> so that's how I got Dr. Doom.
0: Wow. <laughs> That is that is awesome, especially with that being in relation to Howard Cosell. One of the best to ever do it, not only on the pro football circuit, but also in HBCU football, is the one and only Robert Brazil. Joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Robert, always great to catch up with you, man. Look forward to talking with you in the future.
2: Okay, man, give me a call this weekend. I'll be in Canton, having fun. Probably listen to them drum lines.
0: Robert Brazil was a great football player when he played and, and had never heard him. He's been on the show a couple of times before had never heard that story about the fact that uh, since he wasn't going to start, he said, it's time for me to retire from the National Football League. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Alcorn State running back Deshaun Waller. Join us on City Plaza in downtown Raleigh Labor Day weekend for the 10th Annual African-American Cultural Festival, Saturday, August 31st, starting at 11 a.m. and Sunday, September 1st, starting at 1 p.m., featuring the Art Gallery Walk, Family Village, African Market, Merchandise and Food Vendors, and Elders Procession, led by the African-American Dance Ensemble. Performances by the Hamiltones, Purple Madness, Prince Tribute Band, Marcus Anderson, Battle of the Decades, with special guests, DJ Cool, Special Ed, and DJ skills just once kimberly michelle project 919 centricity theater and dance performances storytelling and much more for the entire family join us in celebrating our 10th year the festival is free and open to the public volunteers need it visit aacfestival.org for more information the african-american cultural festival not just an event it's an experience BoxToRow.com box is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews. To the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com as you covered. <laughs> Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams. And weekly media coaches' polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com. Your HBCU. See you, sports leader. It's Donald
2: Ware. From the Press Box to Press Row.
0: Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row as we continue to talk with some of the top players in all of college football. And, you know, if we didn't catch up with my next guest, uh, then, you know, the, the list just wouldn't be complete. I have him ranked as my top Player to watch in all of HBCU football. He's a senior running back from Atlanta. He's Deshaun Waller of Alcorn State. He joins us here on from the press box to press row. Deshaun, welcome to the program. Uh I appreciate you having me on uh, radio. Absolutely glad to have you. This is the this is what I want to know. How does one be uh go from being a third string running back in two thousand eighteen? To, to really, uh, in essence, uh, dominating, at least from an individual standpoint, North Carolina A&T in the Celebration Bowl?
1: Uh, um, I mean, it was just like when I first came in, you know, uh, the coach told me I had to come in and compete. So, you know, I came and that's what I did. But mainly I came in, uh, you know, learning. I had to learn the playbook, you uh, had to learn the system and all that stuff and uh, get used to the players and stuff like that and uh, and I was actually hurt um, against Georgia Tech the very first game uh, I messed up my reels real bad and then like after that uh, I finally came back Southern game the first time we played Southern and, um, and um, PJ Simmons got hurt uh, during that game and then it was just like ever since then you know uh, I just made plays, stayed consistent, and, uh, and let the coaches and my players, you know, trust, trust me with the ball in my
0: hands. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, boy, did they trust you. I mean, what a season you had last year, 1,215 yards rushing. This The next question is twofold. So with respect to planning that game against Georgia Tech, how, how I don't know, maybe disappointing is a little bit of a strong word, but how did it feel, I should ask you, in terms of being injured when you're trying to play uh, in your hometown and show the hometown folks what you can do? And did, you know, did you feel like this could be a, a major setback as the season continued?
1: Um, uh, When we first, like, I mean, it was just, it really was just a good feeling just playing at home, first of all, you know, because like family, friends, you know, since high school, you know, they always come out, you know, support me and stuff. And, um, and you know, after I got hurt, everybody was called, you know, and concerned, you know, because I, you know, it's it's football, you know, things happen, but, um, you know, and it was just mainly just feeling good, just being back home, you know, playing against one of the schools, uh, back at home.
0: Yeah, and then the, the, so. Talk about working to come back and then putting yourself in the position uh, once PJ went down uh, to be able to excel.
1: Uh, when when he went down, that uh, I was just now coming back off uh, the injury, and when he like when he got hurt, uh, coach just like he just kept asking me like, was I good? You know, was I able to go? Um, and I also had some like protecting my ribs. I had a rib cage on. Um and and after like I think like two carries I fell on it once, coach was like kind of concerned and I was like, you know, I was good. And after that, you know, and it just went on from there. I would have uh real all season long and then and that river telt to help me out a lot.
0: Yeah, no question about it. So coming from Hutchison Community College where you played Two years and and ex- really excelled at Hutchinson Community College. Um, what kind of offers did you have coming out of Hutchinson?
1: Uh, not many. Uh, I had Hampton University. Um, it was a couple, a couple more HBCUs. Uh, uh, Bethune Cookman. Um, uh, it wasn't. It really wasn't like a lot at all in Alcorn. And then. And then I had like a couple of d two schools uh it was a school in oklahoma i i think like central University of central oklahoma i think uh, and I think that was about it though, but it was very few I had a lot of interest in like bigger schools like the f b s schools um uh, and i think uh yeah that was about it it was just only a few schools that were just interested in the f b s level
0: yeah. So what led you to um, to choose Alcorn State? Was it, you know, was it DeLance Turner? Was it the fact that when you look at Alcorn State over the last four or five years, I mean, this is running back you. I mean, a, a, a just a plethora of running backs have come through Alcorn State. What led you ch- uh, to choose Alcorn State?
1: Um, and and it's crazy because, like, there's, there's like, I don't even think I chose them. You know, they came and found me. Uh, I was at home, you know, like I graduated, I was a December graduate coming out of Hutchinson. So I was like, you know, trying to figure out and decide which school I was, I wanted to go to. And like towards the time, like, like, uh, school was almost in the start and all came, Coach Fred and Coach Stanchek when he was, when he was here. Um, they both came to my home. Uh, they, they hit me up on Twitter and, uh, they both came to my home, you know, I had to talk with my mom and uh, they was just talking to me about the school and, and, uh, and I just sat down, you know, uh, why well, I actually missed the semester because I wasn't sure, you know, what I was going to do or was I was going to still continue to play football. I didn't know then, but I sat down, you know, talked to my mom or I talked to my high school coach. He like my mentor. Really all of them, like all of my high school coaches, but my head coach was like a mentor to me. Um, and, and I, you know, had a long talk with my dad and, and I just, you know, I prayed, you know, every, every day to God, just, you know, let him make the decision what I wanted to do. And that summer, last year's summer, what made me come to Alcorn.
0: No question about it. That's the voice of Deshaun Waller running back for Alcorn State. And what a phenomenal season he had in 2018. He's my top player to watch in all of HBCU football. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What are some of the things, Deshaun, that you worked on in the off season to get better coming into 2019?
1: I worked on, like, uh, footwork footwork drills, um, my core, you know, because the core learned, like, about that. I was learning about that you know it's, that's the main part you want to get strong so I wanted to get that stronger especially from you know the previous season when I had the real uh injury you know I don't want to I don't want to deal with that no more so right. uh, mainly it was the core and my lower body with the calves and stuff like that and um and my upper body it just you know just trying to maintain everything well it was mainly my core though
0: Yeah. How can you can you sort of speak to sort of the sting um, in in terms of losing that celebration bowl? But then how, you know, you kind of get over that and you guys get ready for 2019. You got a phenomenal offensive line. You know, we had your teammate Noah Johnson on the program last week. You got a phenomenal quarterback. And so can you sort of speak to that and. And, and putting 2018 or the last game in 2018 behind you, and then mm-hmm. you know being reinvigorated for 2019.
1: Um, you know, we we fell out like we was two points away, you know, and that you know that call that they didn't give us, you know, we can only control what we can control. But it was just, man, it, it was tough. You know, it was a tough loss, especially you know me from being at home, you know everybody want to see me you know do good but it was a tough loss so we know we know as an offense you know as an offense as defense really as a whole we all know what it takes to get back to where we was at and and um and our expectations and stuff like that to get there so where we be where we want to be this year um so we're gonna just take every game one one week at a time um we're gonna take you know be consistent in practice. Every day, um, and, and we're just gonna be communicating as one on both sides of the ball, and we're gonna be fundamentally sound playing brave football.
0: Deshaun Waller, the running back for Allcorn State, he joins us here on the program. I know you didn't, uh, you weren't under um, uh, Coach Hop, uh, who is at uh, Southern Miss as the head coach. Uh, now, But for you, how exciting is it for you? And how ready, I should say, are you for Saturday, the game against Southern Miss? The school's not that far apart from each other. And another opportunity for you to showcase your skills against an FBS opponent?
1: Um, I mean, I first of all, I'm, I'm very excited because uh, I have a friend from Majuco also um he um he 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 go to school up there also, so you know there's a little bit of competition between me and him, um, you know bragging rights. I'm gonna say that, and I have a previous uh, teammate um, who also up there also, so you know, he couldn't really talk to me in practice, so we gonna see, we gonna see what he got, you know, when <laughs> when we playing this Saturday, you know, it's no it's no you know it's nothing personal, but you know I just want to get a chance you know, have an opportunity to play against a high level anytime I get a chance to. Um, and it sounds like the whole, you know, state of Mississippi is going to be there this weekend, and I can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah, it should be a sight to see. I mean, I mean, shoot, you guys do very well at your at your home stadium, so you got to know that your crowd is going to be there and Southern Miss going to pack it out as well. Deshaun Waller, the running back for Alcorn State, he's my top player to watch in all of HBCU football, he joins us here on from the press box to press row. The Braves open the season again on Saturday at Southern Miss. Deshaun, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Braves this season. Uh,
1: thank you. I appreciate
0: it. Deshaun Waller poised to have a big season. It begins on Saturday at Southern Miss. That's one of my intriguing games. Um, also, I'm intrigued by Texas Southern Prairie View A&M. Um, you know, you're getting started right off the bat. Um, not all the games are necessarily money games or uh, games in which uh, FCS opponents get money or FCS opponents give money to D2s. I mean, we have Mississippi Valley State, who's going to be at Tennessee State. Um, you know, the game that I'm going to be at, that I'm going to be calling, um, again, glad to be the play-by-play voice for North Carolina AT football. It's going to be Elon, going to be at a I mean, that's going to be a... That's going to be a solid game Two top 25 FCS opponents. South Carolina state is hosting Wofford. So they, I mean, there are some intriguing games on the schedule um, this year. I'm interested to, or to open the season that Bethune Cookman Jackson state game on Sunday is going to be good. Um, so some intriguing games this weekend, got to run here on from the press box to press row. Thank you to Robert Brazil. Thank you to Deshaun Waller for joining us on the program for more information on From the Press Box to Press Row, log on to our website, boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Yeah, you had your own about playing the game. Yeah, you could look away, feel pain.
2: Somebody else, and in your eyes I see all the
1: signs of the misery. All the
2: signs of the major. that's a little yeah, baby. Did you know it